Time to talk NBA with Keith Smith from Spot Rack and the Front Office Show. And on Twitter X at Keith Smith NBA. Here's Keith Smith talking basketball with Bryant and Brett. Keith Smith joins us now to talk the NBA from Track and the front office show. Always enjoy talking some NBA basketball on a Thursday afternoon. Keith, thanks so much for joining us, and I know a lot to get to in the NBA, but I do want to start off, uh, the news came down yesterday that Mark Gasol uh, has officially retired from basketball, and now uh, here locally we know that the, the Grizzlies are going to retire his jersey in April, so, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people remembering him very fondly here in Memphis. You tweeted about Mark Gasol earlier today. I'm curious, how do you think Mark Gasol will be remembered as a whole, not just in Memphis, not just in Toronto with his short time there, but in the NBA, how will a guy like Mark Gasol be remembered? Yeah, I hope very fondly by, by people who watch the game. I, I was uh, talking about it on front office show with Trevor Lane just a little bit ago that we are in a spot where we think back beyond his NBA career, he was on some really good Spanish national teams, including ones that gave Team USA every bit of a run for their money. Yeah. Uh, in the Olympics, they also won a couple of FIBA World Cups. Uh, he won multiple Euro baskets, uh, medaled in multiple Euro baskets. So it's funny, I saw some people say he's not a Hall of Famer, which is just bonkers because it's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the Basketball Hall of Fame. And to me, this guy is 100% a Hall of Famer. I, I think, you know, even on just his NBA accomplishments, he'd be really close. And, and I know for you all there in Memphis, super special player for a lot of things he, he did uh, for the Grizzlies during his time time with the team there. And then there is a Hall of Famer, his big brother, Powell, who has not had his number 16 retired here in Memphis. And I don't know about dual ceremonies because I think that would take away from one of the two having the ceremony, have two different ones. But I think at some point next year, 24-25 season, early part of that next year, I mean, you know, the the young Powell Gasol with the first year of the Memphis Grizzlies from Vancouver and then what he went on and did here and then with the Lakers and international basketball i think he is is deserving of 16 going in the rafters right by 33 and right by 50 yeah i mean i grew up a Celtic fan so far be it for me to say anything about our <laughs> retired numbers right yeah. like, you know we're uh we're, they're going to be starting to use letters or three digit numbers pretty soon i think so yeah if if you know people feel that strongly about it by all means you know go go nuts i, I don't care too hung up on those things that stuff's all nostalgia stuff and if it's important to people then by all means make people happy by you know recognizing and take care taking care of some guys i i think it's a great thing thing to do so yeah i'm i you would not be surprised at all if we see him uh, also get his number retired but yeah in general i think you know, we're, we're in a really fun place with um you know these guys getting that recognition from being really special players which is a good thing I, one thing I will remember Mark Gasol by is when they first made the deal and he was the consummate kind of low post player. And I'm not saying he was at the vanguard of the big men moving out and, and consistently and regularly, uh, stroking threes, but he was, he was close to it. I mean, the game changed and he, he could do that. I mean, early in his career, the idea of him moving more than about 15 feet from the bucket, you know, se- seemed pretty wild. And then he, he really got that shot down. 
Yeah, he absolutely did. And he was always a really good passer, a good screener. And he, you know, in a lot of ways, yeah, became kind of a guy who adapted to the modern game quite well. We, we, we think about a guy who's still going right now in Brooke Lopez, who had a very similar mm-hmm. uh, type good of transition in his career. And, and despite not being the most fleet of foot guys, either one of them, they were both great defenders, you know, and guys who could really uh, hold down the interior and, and do a lot of things in that respect, too. So, yeah, I, I just, you know, I think, you know, when we get into all this stuff with these guys, we really get get thinking about all of them. And, and you start to look back on some of the stuff and you feel like, man, these guys, you know, really were something special. And, and I think in Marcus All's case, it's even more fun, too, because this is a guy, when he came into the league, it was like, I don't know if this doughy, chubby dude's ever going to be anything <laughs> in the NBA. And he clearly, you know, worked at it, worked at it, and he, and he made it happen. And and that is so right. The first time I ever saw him at the pyramid, it wasn't year one, maybe year two, or even the third year, the third and final year at the pyramid. He walks by, and somebody goes, "That, that that's Mark Gasol's little brother that, that's playing at Lausanne." I didn't even know Lausanne was co-ed then. I mean, it was ex- <laughs> it was exclusively you know a, a school for for young for young ladies for girls. Uh, for a lot of my life, I, I go, really, where's he playing? And then the story that got around town that he wanted to go to a famous, very famous high school basketball factory here and play for a very famous coach. And the coach put him through a rigorous workout and he couldn't finish. And he, and the coach told people, you know, I, I was about to kill him. And you know, I just ne- <laughs> ne- never thought that he would blossom into that and be the key man in the trade for his brother, Powell. Yeah, and, and I, I remember, you know, obviously from afar, the, you know, outrage of that trade of, you know, the, the NBA forced Pau Gasol to, to the Lakers, and they, they didn't get anything back for him, and everybody was losing their minds. And, you know, whether, you know, the, the story of that will be written someday and, and all that, and I think the conspiracy theory stuff is better left to the dark corners of the Internet. But I, I think, you know, when we really look back on it, we're going to find out, like, hey, Memphis maybe – couple people there were like now nah, this kid can play he may he may look look a little you know chubby and out of shape but but he can get after it and, you know sometimes those guys will turn into the really uh special players themselves keith those dark corners of the internet i try my best to stay away from the ones that are well lit yeah that, that's true yeah there's times when, when i say to myself i don't even know why yeah. i put, put this stuff up <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, and you, you mentioned to, to each his own you basically said to each his own on retired numbers and i'm with you there you know dallas the mavericks very famously have brad davis's number retired well most people don't know who or you know he didn't win a championship he's not in 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 the basketball hall of fame but he was big on making dallas matter on the sports scene in the early days for donald carter and norm sanju and 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 the and the people that ran the mavericks his role there and you, you look at the the milwaukee bucks and you see junior bridgman and marcus johnson's numbers retired and they're probably more famous for being a part of the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar deal than anything else, but they matter to them, to each their own. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think you said I, you know, far be it from me to be the one who gets all bent out of shape about, you know, different guys getting, getting their numbers retired and, and the like, because none of that stuff really is, you know, anything that I'm ever going to uh, overly hmm. focus on or get worried about. I, I think we're, we're in a place where let's really – Yo, hey, if again, if it's going to make a bunch of people happy and they're going to feel really, really good about it, go ahead and retire a number. It doesn't hurt anything beyond, all right, now, now we're in a slightly different place as far as 
uh, you know, what, what jerseys are available to be worn by the next group. If the good people of Boston want to build a statue to Jerry Seasting, they can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're, they're uh, still to this day. My uncle will, uh, if, if you're ever looking to fill an hour or two of programming, I'll, I'll give you his number. He'll come on. He'll tell you all about how he was a key guy to winning a bunch of titles. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Uh, well, Keith, uh, the big story, uh, I guess one of the big stories in the NBA right now is the injuries that have plagued Joel Embiid this season. He's out again. Uh, a lot of been, uh, a lot of people have been talking about that 65-game threshold, and, and he's getting very close to missing that um, for awards at the end of the season. But the 76ers team has been struggling now, have lost uh, four in a row, and they've got uh, Utah tonight uh, in the late night game on TNT. Uh, what have you made of the injuries this year for Joel Embiid and then for the 76ers right now over this last two-week span, really struggling on the floor? Yeah, I mean, they, you know, not only are they struggling, but other teams are playing pretty good. They're yeah. now fifth in the East, and they're three games ahead of the Pacers in sixth. And, and I think we're all expecting the Pacers maybe here with Halliburton's bat, mm-hmm. as they get more comfortable with Siakam, maybe they take off. But the Knicks and Cavs, both 9-1 and one in their last 10 games, have moved right past Philadelphia. Now, all of a sudden, Philadelphia, there was a moment there where it was like, all right, they're right there with the Bucks, and could they catch the Celtics? Yeah. And, and now they're seven games behind Boston. So that's, that's out the window, right? Now it's all about, hey, just get to the – stay in the top six so we don't have to mess around in the playing tournament. Get Joel Embiid healthy. Get Tyrese Maxey healthy as well. Get our role players going good. We'll see if they make a trade here in the next week or so. And then let's just get to the postseason and we'll figure it all out there because that's been always kind of the question is almost no matter where their seed has fallen is if they're not healthy come playoff time, it doesn't really matter because they're not going to be able to go as far as they need to go anyway. But the the team to beat in, in the East, it, it goes through the, the Boston Celtics and they get a – you know, pretty good draw tonight with the Lakers now with Anthony Davis and LeBron James to miss those games. It goes through them, and then on Saturday night at Madison Square Garden, Lakers and Knicks. Can the Knicks can the Knicks make any real noise? Can they advance? Yeah, we're going to see with, with that Knicks game. You know, well, let, let's see who plays first of all, right? Because we know Julius Randle will be out, and then OG Ananobi's dealing with an elbow issue right now, and if that. That keeps him out, and let's say LeBron at least is back, and we'll see about Anthony Davis. If they're both back, the Knicks are down two of their big guns. It's going to be hard, but the Knicks almost, these last couple games, it was thought, all right, well, they've won their six in a row, and now Randall's down, and Ananobi's out. They'll, they'll probably drop a game or two. They they went right in the next man up, and you better come in if you're on a top Thibodeau team. Come in and be ready to go and, and play very hard and get after it, and that's that's really where it's been at with, with the Knicks. So I, I think you know, we're in a spot where we're going to see the Knicks do some stuff here where it is, hey, we're just going to get after it. That's going to be interesting. And as far as the Celtics-Lakers go, obviously no uh, Celtics fans are going to shed a tear for anybody with the <laughs> Lakers. But if you really talk to people, and I'll put myself in that category, one, we want to see guys healthy because you want to see the best games possible. But you want to beat the Lakers and not leave any excuses for, well, hey, we beat you and you had your guys. Now, if the Celtics beat them, it's like, well, we didn't have our guys. So, what'd you expect? So, so you you know, you want to get after them with their own guys, but you know, no, nobody is you're trying to stack wins is going to complain too much about going against an undermanned team. Keith, what is it like on that those nights, whether it's regular season or ultimately in the NBA Finals, 
when the Los Angeles Lakers are on that famed parquet playing the Boston Celtics? What's that atmosphere like? Yeah, I mean, the Celtics fans, everybody talk about the Sixers and the Knicks and any other teams that have been more recent, like the Heat and the Bucks. It's the Lakers. That, that's Boston's rival. You, you ask Celtics fans, it's funny, there's a graphic. I know you can Google it and find it. I think it was somebody on Reddit asked everybody, who's your team's rival? And I want to say it was four or five teams said it was the Celtics. <laughs> and Celtics fans said it was the Lakers. And Lakers fans said it was the Celtics. That's, that's it. <laughs> it is pure, absolute generations of hatred. I will tell you guys, as a Celtics guy, I have our daughters now. She's 13. She's going to be in high school next year. When she was little, I told her, no yellow and purple. There will <laughs> not be yellow and purple in this, this house. It's not happening. Those are those are not colors you're allowed to like, and especially not together. And, and she moved on, on with that. There, there are a few things I tried to impart as a as a sports fan dad to, to her, and she, she knows no no. No, uh, no love for the Lakers in the Smith House. Sounds like good parenting to right, me, Keith. Yeah. And, and with that, have you been there when it's really been thunderous beat L.A.? Oh, yeah, I've been there, you know, several times when that's been, been the comments, including even in, in 2008 when they oh, they yeah. were, the Celtics were putting the final touches on the Detroit Pistons. They, they, they fans wanted the Lakers. <laughs> they, they were very much, we want the Lakers. That's who we want to get after. Boy, that game that was one of the biggest party atmospheres I can remember because if people remember that game six, Boston pulled away from the Lakers uh, late. They, 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 the game was really a runaway, and that building was as raucous and as joyous as I can ever remember them being because nobody was sweating it out. You were you were able to start the party pretty early. They, they had a lot of fun in the fans that night. Talking NBA with Keith Smith from Track and the front office show. Keith, we're a week away from the trade deadline. A lot of news coming out about you know who could be moved, who won't be moved. Um, but one team that I saw that kind of, uh, I don't know if I should say shocked me, but a little intriguing um, that they look like a team that's going to be a buyer, and that's the Houston Rockets. They've kind of gone out there and have been linked to a couple of guys that would um, say that they're buyers, and right now uh, playing certainly better. Better than they did last year, but still under 500. Are you surprised? Obviously, they have a lot of tr- uh, draft capital, some young guys. Um, are you surprised that they are showing interest in in being a buyer at the deadline? I'm a little surprised at the extent of some of the reporting of some of these kind of all in things they're yeah. willing to do uh, right now because it feels like I, the Rocket people I know and the fans of the team that I interact with they're pretty happy right now because it's we're taking our step forward year, sure. right? We got all these vets. We're playing better basketball. We've won it. We've won some games. We're competitive. Probably going to be competitive all the way through uh, the end of the year for a postseason spot. And I think some of them that we're looking at it a little bit and saying, "Hey, if we can snag a guy right now that feels like this," I don't think any of them, and I don't think the team either, is looking to make, "Hey, this is an all-in move for a guy who's going to walk in free agency," but we don't really care. Because right. this is the last move for you know to get us where we want to be. It's more if we can make a move for a guy who's going to be a part of this next year and the year beyond, and maybe the years beyond that. Let's go. Let's go make that kind of move. So I think they're being pretty cautious, and I think if you're a Rockets fan, you're going to be pretty happy because you get a bunch of options on the table Absolutely. now because you have played. Who are some teams or some players that you're really keeping an eye on for next week at the deadline? Yeah, I think team wise, I'm looking at. You know, are the 
Sixers going to make their move now? Are they really going to stay patient and try to go into the summer? Are they, you know, we're going to find out a little bit more about Joel Embiid's injury, I would assume, in the next day or two. We know he already left the team and headed back to Philadelphia ahead of their return from this West Coast swing. So, so we'll find out. Maybe you know it's not as bad as we think, and they're they're ready to make a move uh, and go. Are the Knicks going to do something else to fortify? You know, not now. The Knicks are no longer trying to. They're trying to take down the box for that two yeah. seed. They're only only a game back, so they, they've still got another trade in them. Are the Thunder going to make that kind of? All right, it's time. We're pretty good, and we we could maybe win the West. Let's make a big move right now, and, and they could make a big move and still have plenty in reserve to kind of go go after it. And then of the teams more down lower, are you know is Orlando going to make a move to try to take? All right, it's been a nice season. We're in playing range. Let's try to be a little bit better than this. You know, let's make make our move now. Is that going to be something Utah does, or does Danny Ainge, who will not be seduced by the allure of the playing tournament, he feels like the best thing for his Jazz team to win a title in the next few years is to trade a few more guys. He'll do that because he's all about trying to win a championship. So I think we're going to have a very active trade deadline. I don't know that we're going to see any superstar blockbuster moves like right. Kevin Durant trades or anything like that, uh, like last year. But I think, think we're still going to see a lot of role players moved around and teams trying to set themselves up for not only a run the rest of this year, but some teams trying to set themselves up for the next few years on the cap sheet and the like. So you would put the percentage of Steph Curry being dealt at 1% or 0 <laughs> Uh, zero. Zero. Unless, unless <laughs> okay. we hear he doesn't want to be a warrior anymore, <laughs> I'm going to put it at zero all the way through the remainder of his career. I think that's a good place yeah. to start. Tonight in Memphis, the Cleveland Cavaliers are here with J.B. Bickerstaff, his head coach, a very beloved former head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, and a lot of people around town really are glad to see his success. Do they add at the deadline? Because it feels more guard-centric right now for them. Do they, they try to get a bigger player? I think they're going to try to see what they can do. They're, they're mostly been focused on, let's get Evan Mobley and Darius Carlin well, back yeah. in the lineup. Those guys both return this week. So, so I think for them, it's, let's kind of see what we've got here. Their, their challenge is they're, they're almost out of tradable salary. So if you're going to make one more move, it's got to be really a move where you feel like, all right, this really lifts us uh, to another level. They don't have graphic capital because they used up all of it to get Donovan Mitchell. But, they're playing really good basketball, and they they played started to play really well without Garland and Mobley. Now you get those two guys back in the fold, and I think Cavs are another team that is. Hey, we're not content with just being the the four seed. Let's try to run Milwaukee down. Let's try to be the the two seed and put ourselves in an even better position than the one we're in a year ago. So that, that that's going to be a fun game tonight because you know I know I know the Grizzlies aren't winning a lot right now, but. They're playing hard, man. It has been they fun. are getting after it, and they're still playing defense. And that's the kind of team that I think, hey, even if the results aren't there, that's the kind of team you should still root for night to night because because the guys are getting after it so hard, and you know they're they're really doing it. And I think that's a testament to Taylor Jenkins. So I think that's gonna has a chance Agreed. to be a pretty fun one. I, I'm having more fun going to these games with this roster and it's largely anonymous than I did early in the year when everybody was just waiting for the return of Ja. Keith, you're talking about the Cavaliers. Their their best deal they're going to make is going to be getting people well. You, do, I know you know how much people in every sport hate that around deadline time. Brian, I ask Cardinals fans, oh we boy. hear that all the time <laughs> at deadline time. You know, really, all we got to do is get well. Uh-huh. We're adding, that's we right. got a player that's on injured reserve that's really better than anything we could every trade for. Year. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That, that's a that, that's a very common thing. Of, you know, <laughs> and, and I think you know, had Memphis this season gone a little different, we might have heard that about about a guy like Brandon Clark. Yeah, right. Like like, hey, we're adding him. He's our trade deadline acquisition and th- things like that. But yeah, it, it that that's a hard one to sell to people because people are like. Yeah, that's cool. I don't want to wait. Give me a guy yeah. that's going to suit up yeah. here in the that's next few days. That's not even So right. I, I get it. Uh, Keith, last thing for you. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when it was first kind of being floated out there publicly that the NBA might do this, but it's now official. The NBA draft will now be a two-day process, the first round being on the first night, second round being on the second night. And I think the caveat of it is they are extending the time for per pick in the second round to kind of extend that viewing process in the second round. What do you make of it? I know we talked about it a while ago, and you kind of said you were open to the idea but what do you think about a, a two-day draft yeah now that we're definitely doing it i want to see how does it change that second round where teams have a chance to reset you know is there a team that says wow you know we we kind of had some conversation on player x mm-hmm. uh going into to it but when there's only five minutes we couldn't quite get there and now is that something they kind of regroup on and come back to do we see some guys who were drafted night one get traded night two because the, the teams now have a little bit more time to connect and, and work out a deal. My big hope for this from a broadcast perspective is we got to get some draft people on there then. you got to get yeah. you know, the ESPN, if they're going to have both of these nights, you have Jonathan Gavoni, Jeremy Wu, their draft guys. 100%. they got to be on the Open broadcast. Mic. you got to have mm-hmm. the college guys who know the college players, the international guys who know the international guys. We don't Fran need a Fischella. bunch of people up there mm-hmm. yelling about how we don't know. I don't know who this guy is, but if this team doesn't do X, <laughs> Y, and Z, because then that you, you, why? Why? You know, it's, might as well just print out the results for the second yeah. round and send them to us when it's over. And that's not, you know, if we're going to do this right, let, let's let's do it right. So I think they're trying, but you know, it's going to be be incumbent on the broadcast partners to be good partners as well. Yeah, I'm with you on that. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But Keith, as always, thanks so much for joining us. We'll do it again next week. I appreciate it. We'll be breaking down what happened on the trade down deadline day next week. That's right. Thank you, Keith. Keith Smith with us every Thursday from Spot Track and from the front office show on all things NBA is one of the great guests in any yeah. radio anywhere. Jason's Deli with all the great locations for you close to wherever you are. Wherever you are, you're close to one of those great locations, whether it's Poplar and Highland over by the U of M, Olive Branch, Cordova, or at Ridgeway Road across from MUS. That just about spans the universe here in our area for them to take care of you with that great food, healthy, first franchise in the nation to be trans fat free. It's all about choice at Jason's Deli. Regardless, if you seek a gluten-free menu, vegetarian sandwiches, healthy kids' meals, you will be delighted at Jason's Deli. Plenty of organic food to choose from, bringing more to the table. It's a family thing at Jason's Deli. Whether you're dining in, you're getting it to go, or you're having it delivered, you're on your way downtown to FedEx Forum tonight, make time. If you're going to watch at home, make time. Stop by, get that. Make it easy on whoever's night it is to have the food ready at the house. Wholesome food forever. It's a family thing at Jason's Deli with all the great salads on the menu, like the Mesa Chicken Salad, the Big Chef Salad, the Taco Salad, Salad, the chicken Caesar salad, and in every Jason's Deli, the great salad bar with over 30 items to choose from for you to prepare it however you would like. Catering anytime, anywhere, getting ready for that big event or that big game, whatever that game that may be. 
Keep Jason's Deli in mind. Over 200 area Memphis associates for your every need. Ridgeway Road, Poplar and Highland, Olive Branch in Cordova. And in those locations, the complimentary free ice cream. Check them out online as well at jasonsdeli.com. Let's go ahead and get to a break. When we come back, Brett mentioned it, Grizz in action tonight against the Cavaliers. We'll talk about what we expect to see tonight between the Grizz and the Cavs. That's next on Sports Time. Start your day with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10, right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Welcome again to Sports Time. Bryant and Brett with you in our family leisure studios. And the Grizzlies, they're back in action at home tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, again, another game. I mean, I don't know why I say another game. It's been all year, but um, Santi Aldama questionable tonight uh, for this game against the Cavs uh, with tailbone soreness. John Conchar questionable with left ankle sprain. Doubtful Luke Kennard uh, and Derrick Rose. Looks like both those guys getting closer to returning. Um, but it's going to be like we've been seeing a lot. We saw them earlier this week go out and sign a couple of guys on 10-day contracts. Um, it's going to be a, a very short rotation just because of all of these injuries for the Grizzlies tonight. The the roster of the last few nights, and certainly the other night on the fly having to add people yeah. just to have the eight warm bodies mm-hmm. that the league requires, and it's why I was so opposed to it during COVID for other sports when you didn't make the position grouping, grouping yeah. minimums and things like that. No, and, and especially that, that year in college football, in the 2020 COVID year, if you've got to play a nose guard right. at quarterback – you put him out there. Sure. You play, and too many could could kind of sneak in under that. And I know the NBA largely picked, well, entirely picked up the rest of 2020 down at the bubble. Mm-hmm. But even even some of those were close to, and maybe some games canceled over yeah. limitations. Sure. No, you you just keep adding people. Yeah, yeah. If if, if you got to get them at the wreck. Rec League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're seeing the Grizzlies doing that right now. Matt Hurts, they uh, they picked up right before that their their previous game. They've now uh, made a couple of, of additional signings on 10-day contracts. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of this. You'll see a lot of those guys get action. And, and I know, um, you know, uh, Trey uh, Jemison, whatever mm-hmm. the, the new the new center, that's a guy that a lot of people have been talking about wanting him a part of this team. Just you know, the big body uh, averages a double double right now. A big center that can go get you boards. Now that was earlier in the season before you know all of the injuries on this team took a complete nosedive, and and really you were just looking for a replacement at center uh, for Stephen Adams. But it will be fun to see what he can do tonight with this team. Do you expect slash want the Grizzlies active at deadline? Um, well, it's interesting. You know, I, I at first was thinking, no way, it's going to be super silent for the Grizzlies. But, you know, last week when we were talking to Keith, and, and Keith said that he could see the Grizzlies being one of those teams that tries to get ahead of the offseason by trying to figure out the roster or some of the roster at the deadline. And so, you know, what does that mean? There's so many injuries, it's hard to move guys. And even some of the guys that you might want to move, um, it, it could be hard to do that. I know, like, Zaire, a lot of people... Um, are saying he could be a deadline guy. I don't think they're going to be super active. I don't really want them to be super active unless it's like 
we just want to free up a roster spot for next year, um, I think it's going to be pretty quiet. Tonight against Cleveland, tomorrow night against Golden State. And a reminder, again, tonight's game, a lot of schedules preseason had this as yeah. 9 p.m. on mm-hmm. TNT. It's not. It's 7 o'clock. We know that's really 7.10. Right. And, you know, as much as I've complained through the years, why can't we start at 700 right. or at least 7.05? Last Friday when we were out at the boat show mm, yeah. and, and, and way out East oh, Memphis, yeah. I needed that 710 you needed, tip. You need every minute. I didn't think I was ever <laughs> getting from hilarious. the Agri Center to downtown. That's that's hilarious. No, well, uh, I'm glad. First off, I'm glad you got down there in time. But no, this is going to be a tough game tonight for the Grizzlies. Uh, you know, uh, a home game. I know there will be a, a good amount of people going down there tonight. But this Cleveland Cavaliers team has been playing really, really well. And, and when, what seed can they finish? Exactly, that, that they could end up anywhere two to seven. One hundred percent, Brett. They are winners of eleven of their last twelve games. You could even go further than that. Winners of 13 of their last uh, 15. So, you know, this team has been playing really, really well. 45 last night from number yeah. 45. Oh, yeah, yeah. Donovan Mitchell, he is a great player and, uh, you know, they have a... That's another team that, you know, has real, have really built this team, I think, the right way. Gotten a lot of guys through the draft, but also going out there, free agency, trades, and, and really constructing a really, really nice team. Jarrett Allen um, is averaging 15.5 points, 10 and a half rebounds and has been really doing a good job inside. So uh, it's going to be tough tonight. But, you know, like Keith was saying, this Grizzlies team has been really scrappy, um, even in games that they've been outmatched and, and are, you know, by far on paper, whatever you want to look at, the the worst team. Um, they go out there and they compete, and I think we'll see that tonight. Is Amani Bates with the team? Uh, so he's been bouncing back and forth. I think right now he's actually with the G League team, um, but because of injuries and stuff they've been dealing with, he's kind of been bouncing up and down all year long. You know, earlier I was talking about, I'm changing subjects on you, we'll get back to NBA, I promise. Earlier I was talking about the Tigers and everybody today in an uproar over worst loss ever. I don't think it's the worst loss ever. I do think it is certainly the worst home conference loss ever. And ever is a really long time. Mm -hmm. It can be debated. And if you don't think it is, that's fine. But I was trying to find the day of the, because I had, incorrectly i was wrong i said wisconsin superior it was wisconsin yeah. parkside and i corrected it today that was on january 26 okay 1980 79 wow. 80 season tigers went 13 and 14 coach dana kirk's first year as head coach of the tigers in that game four games later on february the 7th was the famous 55-54 loss at Tully Gym that Dana late in the game said, we're not finishing. Load up, men. <laughs> wow. That, that a, for a coach in his first year. Wow. And, he, and, he, and he, he could run hot, and he told me the story in, in these studios many times about it. And he said he was scared to get back and approach bosses. Oh, I believe know, it. Because – you know, I think now if you had a coach leave the court yeah. before a game was over – certainly. You, you might be met <laughs> on the tarmac. No, absolutely. No, that's a, that's incredible. Um, so I guess not a not a good season that year if you're uh, losing to Parkside and leaving games early. But some of the opponents in the seventies, especially after the Tigers left Wichita State and were mm-hmm. playing as an independent, and you're just trying to piece together a schedule. But I mean, you you see. Um, I mean, Green Bay. Okay, Green Bay played uh, earlier this morning. They had an 11 o'clock game today against IUPUI. They did. Uh, Milwaukee. <laughs> okay. 
non-conference Benedictine College. We went to that game. I swear, really went to that game. Wow, Brandeis that did not go to that one, but the late great Jack Eaton with one of the all-time calls. The Tigers had a breakaway in, in, in his style. Great Scott, the Tigers uh-huh. into the four-court. It's a 4 on nothing break against Brandeis. Slam dunk for James Bradley or whoever it was. And he said, I think Justice Brandeis himself could start for this Brandeis team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> he'd, man. he'd been dead 80 years. <laughs> oh, wow. That's great. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, those are some names on there that uh, did not know Memphis had history with. Uh, I, I, I do remember you know, Heidelberg. It, it, it wow. was famous. Uh, a, a lot of these teams. I'm, I'm looking at it now. Hard to find a media guide. Huh. Interesting. It, it, it's not one at the yeah. site now with, with all the full right. names. In fact, I went to college basketball reference earlier today. Mm-hmm. And for that year of playing Wisconsin Parkside, it's not even on there. Really? You could not prove that game using that as a wow, source. Wow, really? Went, I know they played. I remember wow. that Hank McDowell was on that team. So, Hank was a good, great player what, with the yeah, NBA. Yeah. Uh, so what year was that? 79-80. Do they, did they have the year before that on, on Basketball Reference, or did it like stop before you got to that? They season? omitted a couple of games. Interesting uh, of, of of games I knew had been like here, here's Weird. one Oklahoma Christian okay yeah not Oklahoma City not no, a no, Lemons no, team no, no, Oklahoma no. Christian Oklahoma Christian D two program Tig- Tigers lost that game wow so that, we start we start home worse, that one up there I mean, <laughs> wow what was the what was the final record of this team Eastern Montana that wow. was a win. thirteen and fourteen I don't know much about Eastern Montana. It, you know, but one late in the year, I remember this, Tulane, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech down the stretch of the year, and that was giving people hope. And one of the big things coming out of that year was the recruitment of Michael Cage oh, from West yeah. Memphis, who was a year older than Keith Lee, went to San Diego State, Smoky Gaines, Memphis, uh-huh. played college at Lemoyne Owen. He, he, he got, he, he got Michael Cage, and, and we're really hoping for him mm-hmm. the year before finally getting Keith Lee. Wow. And things really changed. Things changed a lot, yes. With number 24. And he did yes. not wear 24 at West Memphis. Wore 22 at West Memphis. Interesting. 22 was taken by Bobby Parks. Right. Interesting, interesting. Huh. Well, yeah, again, I had no idea that some of those teams that you just listed off. Last night was not close to the all-time loss. Uh-uh. No, I, Brett, I would say maybe two or three of those in there are would, would top right, yeah. unfortunately. It, there, there's a couple. Certainly, I think I can confidently say worst loss of my lifetime, though. Coach. Kirk used to talk about opening night with Keith Lee, and I'm looking at it now, but I, I and I do remember it. They opened the season uh-huh. at East Tennessee State. Oh wow! Which, which could be good. I don't know if Barry Dowd was there then. Might have been a little later for him. But anyway, it, they would could sure. be very representative yeah. some year. Opened there, lost sixty seven, sixty two. Wow! First, first game of Keith Lee. Wow! And and Coach Kirk said he goes into the locker room, and Keith is inconsolable. Just really? sobbing almost uncontrollably. Holy cow. And he thought, okay, I know. But, you know, this is college basketball. And uh-huh. he, he goes over pretty much quietly and says, all right, Keith, you know, you, you got to get it together. He said, Coach, I ain't lost in two years. He didn't lose his 11th grader and 12th grader that left Memphis High. Whoa. And he yeah. said, I'm not going to ever get used to it. <laughs> the rest is history. 
wow. That's a great story. Yeah. I mean, haven't lost in two years. Lose your first college game. To East Tennessee State wow. on the road. Wake-up call. I tell you, wow. Um, but, yeah, much better after that. Um, certainly not a uh, not a great loss for uh, for the Tigers last night, though. Brett, you mentioned it earlier uh, in the NBA. Just uh, jumping back there mm-hmm. real quick sure. before we get to a break. Um, but tonight, Lakers-Celtics on TNT, the 6-30 game. Both LeBron James and Anthony Davis out tonight. We know this Lakers team has really struggled. I mean, looking at away... Take your load management, Adam Oh, Silver. man. It's incredible. Looking at the road and home uh, records for these two teams. Lakers on the road this year, 7 and seven. The Celtics at home, twenty-two and two. That's incredible. Quite a quite a contrast. And back to the sixty-five game threshold for all the awards. Yeah. And I saw Keith tweet this earlier this week. And I saw our friend Brian Geltzeiler yeah. as well. I know it's easy to be mad at management, to be mad at the establishmentarians. Sure. Your players' association negotiated every bit of this. Very good point. That really I, I, I know it's a lot easier to be mad at Park Avenue mm-hmm. than it is at your player rep, but your player rep was right in there in every meeting, every consultation, and point. every vote. That's a really good point, and uh, you know you have heard a lot of arguments about that uh, over the last couple of days, especially with its Joel Embiid injury. And now this uh, 76ers and uh, Jazz game, which is going to be the second part of that doubleheader on TNT, very intriguing game uh, with the Jazz at home, a four and a half point favorite over the seven. Well, let's go ahead and get to a break, and when we come back, it'll be time for Big Number of the Day. Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. Daddy. Hello, big brand. It's a guy, he wants to be big, then he gets big, he doesn't want to be big anymore, then he gets small, but the suit's too big. Big Daddy. The big boy. You're a big guy. I think she's trying to pull a fast one on Big Daddy. The big number of the day. Well, Brad, I originally last night was going to bring in a Memphis Tiger big number because I was appalled last night after watching that first half of basketball that the Tigers came out, and I, just just so that I can, you know... For whatever reason that I, I want to do this, and I don't know why I do, I just want I just want to take a look at Kim Palm. Right now, even after last night's game, Rice's defense, adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Kim Palm, ranks 234th in the country. That could be my big number, 234 defensive number. efficiency for the Rice Owls. And the fact that the Tigers only put up 22 points in that first half, I was looking around the country um, at uh, at half to see what other teams in college basketball, really big slate last night, I think like 45 or 50 college basketball games last night, how many teams scored less than 22 points in the first half of their game? Now, I didn't go through all the games that happened after the Tigers um, happened, but bef- games that were either at half or 
were finished by the time the Tigers went to halftime. Only two teams scored less than uh, 22 points in the first half. It was Mercer and Austin P. Both scored, I think one team scored like 21, the other scored 19. Um, so just a very pathetic first half performance offensively for the Tigers. Was the Austin P. game the first game kind of window to our soul? Um, a lot of people point to the Vanderbilt game because that was the game right before that yep. one. Um, and it was a very close game. Um, and Vandy's really bad. Yeah, I I would I would almost say Austin P. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's certainly one of those two games. What about? You sure couldn't say Clemson? No. No, I mean, I think... I think uh, a lot of this was averted by winning an overtime at VCU. Absolutely. The, I think absolutely. tipping point now, with the value of hindsight, mm-hmm. that some bad stuff may have happened sooner if yeah. it hadn't been for overtime at VCU. Well, and that's the thing, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of people forget about that two-game, you know, the, those back-to-back losses against Villanova where really came out, you want to talk about a bad first-half performance offensively, go back to when the Tigers finished with, what, 19 points in mm-hmm. the first half or 16 Just points? Just to make it look better. I, I mean, yeah. Um, you know, that was a really bad first half. Now, 19 points in the first half um, for the Tigers – and then you go out and lose to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss, you know, is is turning out to be a really good team. But you lose that game to VCU. We were already talking about it before that game happened. Of oh, if the Tigers lose here, we got to ask some questions. But then that ten game win streak. I think a lot of people forgot about all of that, and it was hidden, like you said, by those wins. And now we're we're seeing it right in front of our face. My big number, and I will have a theme all the way through a week from tomorrow. It'll be mostly, if not entirely, Super Bowl. My big number is 15. That's the number of pick sixes, interceptions for touchdowns in Super Bowl history, and I'm getting it. I want to source uh, my friend Kevin Gallagher on Twitter at his great NFL site. Uh, And that's the record for a, and the record for a team that gets an interception return for a touchdown in Super Bowl history. 12 and 1. The Buccaneers wow. had 3. So 12 and 1 is 13, and then right. 2 more is the 15, the total number. But if you get a pick six, an interception for a touchdown, you're going, to, you, you've gone 12 and 1. Rich Gannon had 3 in one Holy game cow. for the Raiders against Tampa Bay. And, and Atlanta is the team with the one, with Dan Quinn mm-hmm. in the news. They had the one wow. interception by Robert Alford for the Falcons, 82-yard return off of Tom Brady to give them a 21 to nothing lead. Holy cow. To only lose in overtime. That's incredible. Wow. That's I really I think that number. was the point that I texted my uh-huh. nephew Turner and said, well, it's over for Tom Brady. Said, Brett, Brett, I think you've been a little yeah, rash. This is Tom Brady. Hang on. Tom Brady. Let's give him a chance. No, that's a really good big number. I was also wrong giving him 16 points in the first half for the Tigers against Villanova. Was that right? Uh, yeah. So, so, so two really, really bad uh, first half performances for the Tigers. And we saw it again last night against Rice. Um, I'm just looking here. I'm, I'm just combing through some, some stuff here uh, on Kim Palm since I had it pulled up. And, I mean, Brett, these defensive numbers, because you can, on Kim Palm, you can just have all season long numbers. You can also do conference only numbers. And, I mean, uh, adjusted defensive uh, efficiency 10th in conference since con- conference play, um, effective field goal percentage defensive uh, 11th, offensive rebound percentage uh, 12th. 
Uh, I mean, these are just really bad. Giving up threes, they're 12th in the conference in opponent three-point percentage. I mean, these are just really, really troubling stats. Yeah, and that has not been the calling card in Penny Hardaway's first five years. Goldcrest 51, the original Memphis beer, it is back. Goldcrest 51 is back, and it'll be hitting the shelves and bars on Monday. Goldcrest 51, first brewed in 1936 by John Wolfgang Shore, now locally made in Memphis by Soul and Spirit. Asphalt in all your favorite beer places starting Monday, February 5th. Well, we've talked a ton of Tigers today because of that loss last night to Rice, but we're going to talk to the guy that was on the call last night on the TV call over on ESPN Plus. No, 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 no. We can't blame him. He was one of he was one of the few bright spots of the night last night watching that Tiger game over on ESPN Plus. But let's go ahead and get to a break. And when we come back, we're talking more Tigers with Greg Gaston. (laughs) 